Tales from the Tavern was recorded in front of a live Twitch audience. Hello, everybody, and we are back with another episode of Tales from the Tavern. Look at this astounding group of people that I have tonight. I'm so excited because most of them are totally new and have never come to visit me on Tales from the Tavern. So I love it. I love getting to have new people on. Um, before we go around and do introductions, I just would like to uh, go over a couple of things. So the way that this works, if this is your first time joining us, is we take all of our questions from chat from you guys. So if you have a question that you would like for the, the panel to answer, feel free to just drop that in chat. And one of our moderators will make sure that I get that so we can answer it, talk about it, all that good stuff. And... Um, we also have a feature uh, using the channel points for a thousand channel points. You can use the ask my question next feature and that will allow you to bump your question up to the top of the queue. So if we have a couple that have come in and you are like, oh, I really want to ask this question. And I really want to make sure they have time to answer it. Uh, if you have a thousand channel points, you can use that. If you don't have a thousand channel points, you'll just have to come back again next week and bank up some more. So um, we are going to go around real quick and introduce everyone. For those of you joining for the first time, I'm Gamer Mom Luna. Welcome to my channel. And um, we're going to start with Adam and we'll work our way around. So Adam, please tell everybody a little about who you are and what you do and where we can find you online. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Hi, I'm Adam Smiley Night 6. Uh, I do mostly like online when I'm uh, online. I do mostly Twitch stuff, playing video games. Over at twitch.tv forward slash Adam Smiley 96. Social media is what you'll find me as. DD uh, nerd, play a lot. Uh, done it, ran a couple of campaigns. Uh, currently playing in one. Just, you know, average nerd. Video games, movies, TV shows, all that stuff. But yeah, it's me. Awesome. Well, thank you. What time is it there? I have to ask. It is 1 a.m. Yeah, I thought it might be. So thanks for staying up super late and hanging out with us tonight. <laughs> I had to sleep. Right. I went to sleep at like 8 p.m. Ah, smart. That was smart. <laughs> All right. Well, next we will go over to Cece, who uh, we were worried wasn't going to make it on, but he got here. So Cece, tell us a little oh, about yeah. yourself. <laughs> Well, I'm currently enjoying a power outage uh, <laughs> in that delight. So as the game goes on, you will likely see me lose light and disappear into the ether. But otherwise, yeah, I'm Cece. I'm uh, an indie one-shot uh, tabletop developer and a bit of a home brewer that you can find on ccrpg.studio. My one claim to fame is a little module, a little mini-game, that you play in your session zero called the DMPC is dead. It's a way of uh, letting your characters meet each other prior to session one around a small story involving a DMPC's death. It's a great way to make inner character dynamics. You ought to give it a shot by looking at the DMPC is dead.com. That's that. Awesome. Well, thank you for um, all your efforts in trying to make this work so you could come and hang out tonight. Um, oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to check out that that little mini game because I think that's such a really clever idea. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and for anybody uh, checking this out too, everybody's um, links that they've given us are also dropped in chat. So all you have to do is click them and drop follows and check out their websites and all that stuff. Uh, Kimmy, we'll go over to you next. Tell us a little about you. 
Hi, uh, my name is Kimmy. A lot of you probably know me online more as Ginger Owl Girl, both on Twitter and Twitch primarily. Um, I am, um, I guess, kind of like also a, a homebrew DM. Um, I don't publish a lot of it. It's mostly just stuff I do like personally, but um, I am kind of in the process of incorporating D&D um, &D with Pokemon and doing a Pokemon-based campaign with some friends, which is always a lot of fun because those are kind of like my two favorite franchises. Um, so that's mostly what I do. And then I'm on Twitch usually only once a week. Um, I do all kinds of fun stuff. So that's that's kind of it. That's what I got going on. That's me. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm glad. I know we've interacted a little on Twitter. And so I'm glad uh, it worked out to have you come on and, and hang out. Um, Alex, we'll go over to you. Hi. Hi. Alex, I run... I'm... Basically, as of right now, the Forever GM for a group of my close friends. Uh, we do variety TTRPG actual plays. Uh, at the current moment, the only thing live is our 5e homebrew uh, saga. That's a low magic campaign heavily inspired by Smith. Uh, but coming very, very soon, I'll start running a Starfinder campaign that we're calling Far Horizons. Mm. Uh, it's going to be kind of like Space Western style. Uh, and coming after that is probably Dragon Age, followed by, hopefully, uh, a newer indie TTRPG called Neon Knights by my good friend. That's awesome. I love the Dragon Age system. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I haven't looked into it as much as I wanted to yet, but I'm really hyped to run it. Been a long-time Dragon Age fan, a big... RPG video game nerd, especially, which kind of just transitioned over into wanting to run his pen. I should Deep tell road. you, hanging up directly above my desk is a autographed lithograph of the Deep Roads, and directly Ooh. over my bed is an autographed map of Thetis. <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> All right, so, so we're, we're on the right page here. Yes, <laughs> you and me, we'll talk. Yeah. Um, and uh, the one and only person who has actually been here before, Star Shinobi, I'm so glad you're here. I am so happy to be back. Uh, I am Star Shinobi at Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I have started doing a lot more things lately. La most times I will be playing in charity games for other people or running those. But uh, I have started playing in a Wild Sea campaign that goes on Mondays on YouTube. Uh, and I am starting to dabble. So I'm dabbling in Wild Sea and now as well as getting into Pathfinder. So noob on those accounts. But I'm mostly a D&D 5e player. Uh, on top of that, I do a D&D Daily Magic once in a while, it's not so daily anymore, but I make magic items. Uh, and I've also worked with Plot Hooks and actually Luna on a, on a supplement that just came out recently called Villagers. So if you are a dungeon master who wants to have a villain that's in plain sight, so such as a, oh, I don't know, a wizard that is actually trying to become a lich, but looks like a really cool old guy instead that's trying to help people, uh, Villagers is a good supplement for that. They are have backgrounds, they have stat blocks, they have storylines and plot hooks already in there. They are ready for you to drop in. So you can find that on DM Skilled under plot hooks. But otherwise, I'm just excited to chat about D&D &D and nerdy things again. I know. <laughs> yes, I, it was really fun to work together with Star and plot hooks and, and the whole team on that. Um, it is a very, very awesome supplement. If you haven't had the chance to, to check it out, we were all very proud of it. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely, definitely give that a look if you haven't yet. Um, 
I it was actually shouted out. I, this was this was a moment of proud, I think, for all of us. It was actually shouted out by the official D and D Twitter account. Um, we were like, oh my god! So. So yay for that. Um, welcome, Raiders. We see you coming in. Thanks so much, Paradise RPG, for coming in with your party of seven. You lovely, wonderful people. We are so happy to have you over here. And um, yeah, let's. we're going to dive right in because we've actually gotten some questions from chat already. And, um, and oh, this is yeah. a great one for starting, oh, yeah. actually. So uh, this one comes from Jim the Dim. And Jim would like to know, what is worse, a player natural one or a DM natural 20? <laughs> Play a natural yeah, one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's a DM natural 20 and how do I get one? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you, you get one of these, little boys, <laughs> and then you do that. And hope it lands on oh, the right one. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, no, that was an eight. Uh, um, I was... I will say, as a DM who has a grave cleric in my party, doesn't matter. Raise you, just raise you. I I think think it's the natural one because it's just, it feels humiliating. Yeah. When the DM crits, you get this epic, tragic ending. It's powerful. But then when you nat one, you just, you trip and you fall in sword. Even even from the GM perspective, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not really here to watch you guys lose. You know, I'm here to watch yeah. you succeed and watch you do awesome, epic shit. And that yeah. ones don't enable that. <laughs> like, yeah. for, like I, I love. You, you know, like most people have a little thing called balance. <laughs> no, never heard of it. What? Never heard of it. Never like, heard. I love my players being like ridiculously OP. Same way. I, I gave I gave a level four party a deck of many things. I did too. <laughs> yes. I did the exact same thing. And yes. he wished away, he wished away so my good. recurring nemesis. I, I, threw, I threw a recurring nemesis at them. It was a guy who was a literal natural born magical null, completely invulnerable to any directed spells. Yeah. And he just pulls out a card from the deck of many, and it's the moon. And he just goes, yeah. Make him go bye bye, and <laughs> he just, like turns into flowers and floats away on the breeze. I'm like, well, cool. There goes the coolest thing I've written here. But, uh, uh, that's amazing. I will Don't say I'm an much. it. I'm an it depends person. If we're in mm. battle, a player nat one sucks the most. If yeah. we're outside of battle, yeah. a DM nat twenty in a contested role. Sucks the mm. most. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. I think yeah. you're right. I'll give you that one. No one ever really likes when the DM gets to keep his secrets. Yeah. <laughs> tell me your secrets. Tell me your secrets. <laughs> I won't tell you your secrets. But like All right, keep your secrets. <laughs> That's the one I was looking for. You know, where it's like, okay, you failed this approach. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to keep pushing it some other way. I'm like, butts around for 10 minutes. Oh, that was for wrong gift. Still bet. It's still great. Yeah, it's still great. Uh, Oh, boy. That's a good question. Yeah, I I still like the keep your money one better. (laughs) 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 All right, then keep your money. When a I feel player like that's... succeeds on a persuasion check? 
I feel like that's the gif every time I go, ooh, those are pretty dice. No, no, not today. I have too many. I have too many. It's, I just see Frodo, all right, your money. <laughs> but is there really such a thing as too many dice? No. 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 No, no such thing. I may have five sets coming. Oh! Hell yeah. <laughs> I, think I did the same thing recently where I just ordered like five sets at <laughs> why not it just so happens all of my kickstarters are going to kick me at the same time I mean I didn't get them all at the same yeah, time right. they're just all arriving at the same time that. yeah that's I'm looking, looking at the dates I'm like ooh could you push that by like a week Yeah, <laughs> I have, I'm going to have I'm going to have some questions I have to answer I'm not the yeah. one that gets the mail yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times when my mail comes and it's dice, my kiddo will just take one look at it and be like, eh, <laughs> it's for you. Mom, your crack's here. Right? <laughs> Where am I? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's Honestly, fair. a dice addiction is probably a lot less destructive than a crack addiction. Uh, yeah. Lord Richter has the correct answer. The only problem with dice is keeping the dice containers ahead of the dice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the problem I'm going through right now. <laughs> Just get one of these. You can, I was going to say, you it's can so kind of see in the background. I've put a couple of little shelves up here and you can see I've got four glass jars. You can only probably see like two or three of them, but uh, those are giant, those are spice jars that I got to start storing my dice in those. I'm, I'm slowly building Hell up yeah. towards a spice rack of dice instead of, you know, Keeping them all back up rack. and hidden. Have, a dice makes, rack. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm dangerously adjacent to a very, very insidious addiction in this company. <laughs> I've actually only ever played on VTTs, so I don't have any dice. Oh, no. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm such a goblin. I just kind of constantly have dice on my desk. They're just everywhere? Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, yeah. Camera maneuvering is nice. Always have dice on my desk. <laughs> I will say, playing Sorry. with someone online, uh, if they're they're like, okay, we're gonna use electronic dice. I'm like, oh. no. <laughs> yeah, but do I have? But to? I have like twelve sets right here, ready to go to banish when they're bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even I even have now. I have uh I have two sets of d6s both of which i got from arcane spectacles uh just for in the event that i need a lot of d6s and some of them are not rolling well i can now swap those out so <laughs> i think i've currently got like 37 sets of dice and i feel like i nice. need to buy more soon yeah uh, i do that Every once in a while, I'll like ones I haven't used a whole lot of, or like maybe I'm kind of like not having any luck with. I'll like you know trade them or like sell them or give them away, and then it just makes room for more, and then I can just get more. So it's you know, kind of nice to. That's really smart. So <laughs> I had I had a whole like I don't know probably fifteen sets that I was ready to take with me to a dice swap, and then COVID hit. And so they never had the dice swap. And so the 15 sets just are still sitting in the bag that I was like all ready to bring with me. And I was like, well, guess I'm going to have to find somewhere to put these. <laughs> Wait, so. There you go. You go. So, yeah. Oh, my God. So, Kimmy, right. You're, what you're telling me is when my D20s are, are rolling badly, 
I give them away to my players, so they have the bad luck. Oh! <laughs> I'm not going to outright Jeez. say that you should do that, but if you do, I won't stop mm. you. <laughs> I feel I have a similar behavior with dice bots. You know, every once in a while, I will give some shifty eyes to Avray and say, no, no, you're going to take a little breather, <laughs> and we're going to try something else, because these Dice rolls just ain't cutting it. Mm. Avray likes, likes to roll. Like, for me, online dice rollers are either really like consistently high or consistently low. There's never any kind of in-between. They don't yeah. sound the same. They don't sound the same. It's just not right. It's not I right. just, I would much rather roll my dice in the teeny tiny little space I have in front of my keyboard and listen to the nice clicky clacks. It's That's true. all I want. It's true. And you know, you have those people who will tell you that you need to have a set of dice for each character you play. And that's when I smile because I'm a DM. <laughs> I'm a DM for Pokemon. So I constantly have wild Pokemon that I have to roll for. Yeah. They need their own dice set. I can't roll the same dice for an Oddish that I do for a Growlithe. It just doesn't work that way. No, Oh. Now, do any of you have dice that are just that you that you don't play with, whether be, whether because of like either how they're made or you're like, I just bought these because I just want to look at them. Like, yes. I have a set that I got. Uh, I backed on Kickstarter, which is like great. I love them. Um, they're the key the Keyfish Crit dice from Greenleaf Geek. Yes. I love those, oh, yeah. but they're not guaranteed to be balanced so i don't play with them for that reason also again because i have like a gazillion other sets of dice and i don't want to ruin these ones because they're really cute they have fish in them um but yeah so i was just curious if other people you know buy essentially unusable dice <laughs> yep. I, i've got a cool. set from uh, thornhill gaming that is with or sorry not thornhill i always do that uh, from the Thornless Rose. She's yeah, her stuff is amazing. And it's it's a gorgeous set. I absolutely love it to pieces, but the only one I use is the D20. And it's just because, like, I look at the set every time and I go to roll it. I'm just like, I, I can't. I can't hurt these things. <laughs> yeah. And look pretty. But the D20, uh, I posted under someone else's thread a couple days ago. Actually, D20, I call it my Nat 20 roller because it consistently, rolls nat 20s i even took a little video for the thread and on the second roll i rolled nat 20. wow it was like it, it just consistently rolls nat 20s so it, that's like if i need something to happen i roll that dice <laughs> i am the same way i have a a set of the uh, soot sprite dice from heartbeat dice yes those are so again they are they're adorable they're a little one my d20 is a little unbalanced so but i yeah. I like just having it sitting, staring at me with their cute little eyes. But the one that, that's my go-to is actually one that I won from Luna. <laughs> um, my players actually tell me I'm not allowed to play with this dice because it is my golden snitch. Yep. So it's like it is banned from the table when I play as a DM. They're like, that's, you can't use that one. <laughs> that's the one that's like brown, but if you hold it in a certain light, it looks gold, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's got like the. Oh, I think I think the only thing I can really say it's like it's got like Harry Potter ish yeah. font on it. 
but yeah, it's bronze, but then it changes to green and gold on behind the letter on behind the numbers. It's it's a great die, and it is heavy. Like yeah, you could kill a deer with this thing. Uh, but <laughs> I have a set; those are from D and D WoW, and I have a set of color changing dice from them. And same thing, like they're super heavy. I do not use those regularly. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same with my metal dice. I have a set of metal dice because I always wanted one, and they're gorgeous. And I mean, I, God, they have like this really nice kind of scaly detail, like in in them and everything. But when I'm playing, um, like online, you know, when I'm playing with my friends over Discord, and you know, I'm rolling, they're just so loud and funky. So it's like I love these dice, and they're so pretty, but they like fuck with my mic really bad, <laughs> so I can't <laughs> actually roll them. So I feel that. Uh, Zeal Zaddy says, who throws dice at deer? What the hell? Oh, don't you judge me. <laughs> you have to improvise sometimes. All right. For me, the, the dice I don't often use, but absolutely adore, uh, the crit roll opalite ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty. Good set. Good set. I have so the so pretty. I do, too. Yeah, I love them. Very pretty set. Yeah. Actually, it's great. My friend gave me for Christmas this like absolutely gorgeous opal D twenty, and as as gorgeous as that is, I have no qualms using that. I use it every single session. I love that dice. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I love it. All right, so this is another kind of neat question, and especially where we have a lot of DMs, uh, I'm I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say. What rules or ideas, uh, this is from Zeal Zaddy, what rules or ideas have you lifted from one RPG and dropped into your D&D? Uh, well, I have pulled a lot from Blades in the Dark and brought it into my D&D play style. <laughs> I like to let my players have a little more of an opportunity to make things happen in media res. Uh, when they are confronting a problem or some sort of adventure, I like to give them a certain amount of leeway to say that the plan that they have right in the moment is something that their characters have planned to accomplish. Like they scuttle about towards some sort of fortress and discover some facet in the fortress and they have a plan for it. I like to give them the opportunity to say that their play, their characters within the context of preparing took the necessary steps to execute this plan that they came to right in the moment. And that comes from Blades in the Dark, which is a very media res style game. That's a really good one. Like, mm -hmm. Have any of you guys played Blades of the Dead? Are you familiar with that? I've oh, heard no. of it. It's on my to-try list, but I haven't had the chance to try it yet. The core thesis and what I'm pulling and bringing into D&D is that they are prepared. Uh, they enter the situation, details start flowing, but you give them the leeway to say, this plan I'm having right now, in the moment, is something that I previously planned for. Oh, I just got my power back. Hey! <laughs> Hell yeah. And that just lets them do some crazier stuff uh, in the moments. Like, even if they don't yeah. have, say, a ladder, I have no reason to believe that, you know, in some day prior to the big adventure, they got a look at the building and came up with a plan. 
Sure, I haven't shown them the map yet, but it's basically just projecting back and forth, kind of flashbacking to what their planning was. I like that idea. Hmm. I like that. I guess the closest I've ever come to doing something like that is, because um, again, I don't run a lot of like regular 5e, I run a lot of um, Pokemon themed things, even though I use 5e like mechanics. Um, I completely dropped um, spacing, like spatial, like you are 20 feet away from your enemy. You're, you know, I dropped a lot of that. And the reason is because if you're watching, if any of you in, in the panel chat, whatever, have watched the Pokemon anime and the things that happen in the course of a battle, I feel like as long as it's within reason, you know, like obviously you're not going to hit, you know, like a, a, a mid-range attack from like a hundred feet away or anything um but i much prefer to let my players kind of flavor their attacks rather than focus too much on the numbers of it because it's kind of a more video game anime based you know campaign anyway and i find that we just get way too dragged down when you focus too much on you know a five by five grid um you know, or how far you, you have to run a certain distance. It's like, oh, I'm going to run 10 feet, and then I'm going to stop. Um, you know, that's something that I just feel completely hinders my game, and I just completely erased it, and I just go with a do-it-within-reason kind of approach. Um, I, I watch fight scenes from the anime, like, literally as research over and over again to get an understanding of, like, how they move, and then just incorporate that into my own campaign for my players, and it works out so much better because... The roles themselves, like we were talking before, like a player, you know, nat one or a DM nat twenty, that will help kind of determine how the tide of the battle turns more than anything else. Yeah, there's uh, no. Pardon me, you go. What you're gonna say? Oh no, I was just saying I, I, I like that as well. That's that's a yeah. See, I was actually going to reference, there is a couple indies that I know that really bank on that. You should look at Slayer's RPG, for instance. Yes. They use something called banding. Uh, banding, uh, what it is, is there are different bands of combat. There's the close combat, there's the medium, and then there's distance. And you adjudicate whether you can hit someone based on which banding you're in, and... Uh, what kind of attacks you can do in that banding. Yep. Big fan of Slayers, by the way. That's, that's oh, a yeah. It's a great <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. I take a lot from older D&D editions. I mean, I don't know if that technically is cheating. The, no, the so actually, uh, 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 Jason C. Shadowmane uh, had asked uh, and then told me to ignore it because it was basically the same question. But the question was, is there anything from previous editions that you've brought into or want to bring into 5e? So let's just kind of tie it all together. <laughs> I still have an old edition. Honestly, uh, I think 4e nailed monster design in a way that 5e just kind of doesn't necessarily miss on, but it just it doesn't give the same depth to encounters mm. that 4e monsters do so i love to take a lot of monster design like i mean they just have all sorts of different move sets and skill sets available to them that you just kind of don't get into in the 5e systems but i mean I, I think honestly just to the general question i don't know about you guys but like i homebrew basically every campaign i run i don't really do modules uh so i kind of low-key steal from every single game i've ever <laughs> if there's something cool in it, I'm probably going to use it at my table. Um, yeah. 
it just makes sense to me that TTRPGs can kind of be this this free-flowing system. I, I absolutely get the other end of that argument where it's like, nope, rules is written, you need to instruct it for a reason, and I get that. But at my table, at least, I kind of like the free-flowing nature of being able to say, well, hey, that really works, and that shores up weakness of the system I'm running now. So why don't I just slot it in? Yeah, I uh, yeah. I am not someone who's actually had a lot of experience with other TTRPGs. I struggled to get into D&D &D until I was in my late 20s, just trying to get people to let me play with them. So it took me a while to get into D&D &D and actually get to play that game. But I am starting to, like I said, reach out a little bit more. I'm starting to play Wild Sea. I'm starting to go into Pathfinder. So I'm sure there will be things for me to take and bring back. Um, mostly just by looking at Pathfinder, there are a lot of classes that I wish were in D&D. Yeah. Uh, I am going to play an Oracle because, of course, I picked the most complicated oh, yeah. class to start yeah. off with. Why not? Yeah, no, of course. But, like, yeah. they have some classes in Pathfinder that I'm like, why doesn't D&D have this and how do I get it over there? Like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan that's... of frontier systems, too. Like, Pathfinder, uh, I'm, I told you guys I'm getting into Starfinder now mm -hmm. and, like, immediately have fallen in love with to it just because while yes it's a little bit more work on you and the player's part it gives you such a variety and so much depth to your choices and customizations that mm -hmm. 5e unless you are more and more liberal with the rule set doesn't really give you that those crunchy rule sets man once you get past that kind of barrier of entry they're amazing they just give you so much there's a lot of stuff in Starfinder that's for certain mm. I love it. I love yeah. it so much. I'm like obsessed with it. Very <laughs> interesting species out there. Uh, I am currently playing a, uh, a, a creature. I, its name is escaping me, but it is basically a psychic cuttlefish that creates a little bubble of water around it so that it can survive. Okay, that's awesome. And that's just... It is a legal race that you can utilize. Yeah. It's Just float around, little cuttlefish, talk to people in their heads, and blast them with laser beams. They've got like a they've got a race of sentient bears that are just called bears. It's like yeah, <laughs> I mean it makes sense. There's a race of sentient bio mineral mollusks. Yeah. You, you gotta love stuff like that, man. Like, it's mm. so wild, and it's just, it's so bonkers and off the wall. All oh, the wall. I don't know, for me, rules are more like guidelines yeah. in D&D. In yeah. &D. Completely. It's like, it's like, oh, the rules say you can't do this, but that's a cool idea, so let's do it. You know, like, yeah. it's yeah. all about, like... I kind of pick up, I kind of look up the DMG and then go like that, right? Like, <laughs> just throw it away. Like, it's just, I, 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 like, my tables are just very much, like, very rules-like. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, from a mechanical standpoint, point, I have a lot that stays in place just for smoothness. But, like, if someone says, I want to do, like... I have a like I gave I gave my players four attunement slots because they were like getting so many magic items. I was like, okay, have an extra slot, you know, like who <laughs> cares, <it>. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. 
and and it 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 led to so like really like it leads to really cool stuff because like if you take the rules and you go maybe don't use that and then it gives the players more freedom to just do some interesting stuff at the table and throw out more like creative ideas for scenarios and yeah, I like being able to customize, you know, to in a sense to make my players happy and to have more fun. I remember there was one instance, um, you know, where uh, one, of, one of my players, they were in, you know, like a shop of some sort. Um, and they were like, oh, like, what does this shop have? And you kind of give them a general idea and they go, okay, well, I want to buy a uh, Dragonair plushie to give to one of my Pokemon just so they can have it. And I was like, okay. And he's like, also, my Pokemon now wears this as a scarf. I'm like, okay, so now while your Pokemon is wearing this Dragonair plushie as a scarf, it gets plus one to its defense. <laughs> like, why not? You know, it's just this fun little thing that it wanted to have and that I incorporate into the game to make it something, you know, functional. And, you know, it, it's a, a fly off the seat of the pants kind of thing. And that's something that I feel is just, you know, every party is so unique. You know that the rules don't always you know work you have to kind of make yeah. it adaptable to your party and that's i think yeah i'm, I'm with you there a hundred percent i certainly know that i feel protected by my bandana <laughs> <laughs> right bandanas are definitely good for that that's why i keep one in my hiking bag at all times um star shinobi thank you so much for the 10 gifted subs I super appreciate that. Um, I'm on a push to unlock another uh, another channel, uh, a emote slot, so that will put me oh. well on the way. Uh, right. That let's see. I need 35. I'm now at 28. So that would be so exciting. Two more people. So can. the yeah. next, yeah, uh, it, they are see, currently 20% off right now. It's true through the month yeah. of September. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the next, the next emote slot that opens chat. up, the next emote slot that opens up is a Tales from the Tavern mug. So <laughs> the emotes already made. It's like ready to go. It just needs to be put in. So, um, yeah. Uh, anyway. So let's move on to the next question. And the next one that we had is um, from Lord Richter. And Lord Richter would like to know, what is the best, your best movie quote in a game? <laughs> so I had a, uh, oh, I had a villain that is, was supposed like a bigger villain. And my players are generally a group that just kind of just, no matter what I throw at them, they slaughter through it. Like, I've just, I've yeah. never been able to give them a challenge. Um, <clears throat> and so I just decided to go nuclear and just give this thing like 500 hit points and, you know, just, <laughs> just, just go for it. As you do. And my paladin mm -hmm. hit a fifth level smite on it. Oof. And I just had it look up and go, tis just a flesh wound. <laughs> I don't think I've ever That's seen them grab their pants that hard before when I was just like, like so is, they're, they're bloody, right? I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> tis but a flesh wound. I think that was my that'll, favorite one. That'll put the fear in sure. Fifth level smite's not, not something small. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> not, as a not at all. No. There's, there's not enough kitties, but uh, a great amount of kitties on this stream so far. If yes, yeah. exclamation point kitty if you would like to uh, to bring up the kitty emote and you're not a subscriber. So, <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an emote of my cat Molly who is sitting here with me right now. Um, I quote just about everything all the time. So like songs, yeah. movies, TV shows, like you name it. Like it, I will find a way to use it in a game at some point. So, um, my favorite story though, it really wasn't a quote, but, uh, many years ago I was playing a character who, the party somehow managed, this was uh, in 3.5 days, um, we had managed to befriend a white dragon somehow. I don't remember how, but uh, my my character took it upon herself to become a dragon rider. And, uh, and so every time she would get on the dragon, cue the music from the never-ending story, and she'd take <laughs> off and go, yeah! So, you know, it, it. yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, I drop a bunch of quotes that I know none of my players get. Um, <laughs> I've got references all the time that are literally only there for me. They're just there to make me giggle. Um, I quote in particular and most recently, I have been quoting a lot of, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Black Company, but uh, Broker is one of my favorite characters from any book ever. He's just such a jaded sack of crap and it's just, it's great. Um, I quote Croker almost nonstop with one particular NPC of mine and just no one, no one ever catches it because no one does it. And I'm just like, I know it. And it makes me smile. There you go. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, I can't actually think of any, uh, like particular movie quote moments. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah, I my memory is way too muddled for me to remember things like that. We just do like puns off of franchises. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That that that's our claim to fame in our campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think oh. you can possibly go more than five sessions without at least one subtle Lord of the Rings joke. Like it, it's gotta yeah. happen. Right? One yeah. does not simply roll a nat twenty. You know, like it's gotta be something. Mm. I've actually had it go in the opposite direction, in which a famous quote from uh, one of our campaigns reemerged when the players reached uh, basically the late 90s, early aughts in, in their campaign. We have a campaign where they're college students going to college and playing an MMORPG, which is where the D&D happens. And in their world, there are movies that are referential to historical events uh, that their characters uh, did. And one of them is a movie called, just, you know, something that got shout once during a, uh, you know, a final terrible battle to rep, to, uh, rep uh, a very important NPC to them. In the final end of a great war in the Underdark, they scream at the drow matron, Anarchy for Orc Daddy. And that's <laughs> what Anarchy for Orc Daddy, I love that. Anarchy for Orc Daddy. I like that whole concept you've got there, though, with like referencing a past thing that your players have experienced. Like, that's, oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. I like that a lot. It's Another a good, thing that has, that. yeah. Another thing that's happened in their uh, late aughts game is uh, there's anime and there is an equivalent of Fate Grand Order in which their characters are referenced, but absolutely nothing is historically accurate. 
It's just their character name in a completely ridiculous situation in the vein of Fate Grand Ordo. You've got, you know, you've got like Astolfo, who is not the Astolfo from history. You've got the uh, Gilgamesh and Kidnu, who are not the Gilgamesh and Kidnu of history, are referencing their characters. That's great. And just, yeah, things like that. There are animes, there are movies uh, about the characters that they played in previous in previous generations. It, it actually annoys me a little bit that I didn't think of this, but I guess my, my literal most obvious reference, not necessarily a quote, but most obvious reference I've ever done is uh, I have a PC that I have both played and used as a predominant NPC in a campaign in the past. His name is Besh. He's my baby. I love the guy. Um, he is literally the analog for Shakespeare in his world. He's, he's, but Shakespeare, if he had the ability to cultivate fame the way modern celebrities do. So he's like world renowned. Everyone knows who this guy is. And his theater is the Glorious Globe. So nice. That's the uh, thing I've been uh, running yeah. ever. And I can't believe that didn't, that wasn't the first one to cross my mind. <laughs> um, this doesn't really count as like a movie quote or anything like that but i have been known there's a youtuber that i really enjoy named ryan george um i don't know if anybody's familiar with him but one of his catchphrases in some of his videos is super easy barely an inconvenience and uh and that's one thing that i like to throw in when uh especially when like i'm playing a rogue and they like you know like pick a lock or something that like the rest of the party's like oh my god we're never going to be able to get through and so she's like do 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 click and then she's like it was super easy barely an inconvenience you know so <laughs> i love oh, that yeah my blades in the dark had a lot of uh helsing abridged references oh, that's a good one we were you know dropping things like bitches love cannons <laughs> left and right <laughs> bitches do love cannons bitches i mean love. <laughs> i mean <laughs> Yeah, I'm bitches. I love cannons. This is the sensation that is sweeping no the nation. Bitches love cannons. <laughs> I need to put a t-shirt now. Yeah. What yeah. bitches love oh, cannons on a t-shirt? That's actually a good t-shirt to be. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. It, uh, oh, I was gonna say if you have anything to add, keep. Go, please. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I had something and then I forgot. Oh yeah, has anyone ever done like, uh, like if you roll a nat twenty kind of thing, and then like they roll a nat twenty and it's the most ridiculous thing that could possibly happen. So basically, what it was is there was like they were like digging through some rubbish and one of the players goes. Oh, is, do I find any anime? And I said, if you roll a natural 20. <laughs> <laughs> so they rolled. There's anime everywhere. Yeah. That's why he had found a, a box full of anime in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> done stuff like that before, too, for sure, where someone asks something smart. I'm like, well, look, if you roll an at 20, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and it's every time you save it that they roll. Yeah. It's only when you're starting back that it comes back to bite you a little bit. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Or them, depending on the situation. True. <laughs> yeah, whenever my players ask me to roll something, like, you can try. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 
keeping it neutral because I don't want the universe to come back and bite me in the ass. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess the closest thing we had to that is I have a player that has a ring of feather fall, so his favorite thing to do is get a bunch of people drunk at the tavern and bet everybody to jump off the roof. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's one of those, he usually goes first. So, you know, he's like, I made it, you can too. And I usually have the the civilians back down like even when you're drunk you're not like i could take this rough like no it's like they're gonna they're they're gonna try and back down and one time he's like how come no one ever jumps i'm like all right roll (laughs) it's a natural 20. Uh he jumps yeah he dies what (laughs) (laughs) he has one hit point and he is dead in the middle of the square and people saw you do it. There are guards coming. What happens now? <laughs> Congratulations. You talk to Remember, yeah, that villagers are <laughs> My A friend of mine uh, in a uh, campaign a while ago, actually quite a long time ago, uh, it was quite, quite a few levels in. They uh, were wanted, and uh, so they were ditching down into a haggard uh, criminal bar to meet up with a contact they had from a long time ago. He was a drug dealer that they met ages ago, and he was the only one who was going to be willing to go to bat for them. And uh, they needed to meet with this guy privately, so they needed to clear the bar. And my player had the great idea of just spooking people by reversing gravity. However... These are villagers, and it is a 20-foot vaunted ceiling. And so everyone oh, in the bar... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my no. A lot against the ceiling, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they did. Oh, no. They were so evil. Like, they were wanted by the law because they were evil. And so this did not face them at all. And in fact, accomplished what they needed. They could meet with their contact in, in peace. What's all the uh, red on this? Well, in... when life gives you lemons. <laughs> oh, this certainly paint. gave them something sour. Mm. Oh, goodness. I will say, though, that just kind of reminded me, and I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but this is new to me, is I was creating a character in D&D Beyond. There is now a background called, Are We the Baddies? Can we talk about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really a thing? Wait, yeah. wait. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait. I was creating a character for something I'm going to be doing in the near future. And I'm just looking through. I'm like, okay, what's a good background for this person? Why is there one called, Are We the Baddies? Yeah, there's a background now right, called I'm "Are We the right Baddies?" Now. Question mark. <laughs> Little skulls on our on our helmets. It's things like you think you're the hero, but no, that you're the bad. one that's taking out merchants on the road. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so yeah, if you have time, I don't know what new supplement it came from, but I'm excited to use it on something. <laughs> yeah, that sounds super fun. Oh, I don't see that one actually. Dang. Yeah, I don't know where it the came from. Is it a backdrop? Yeah, it's uh, it's on the backgrounds. Oh, I don't have it, sadly. <laughs> They've clearly added a lot to D&D Beyond since I last made a character, because I was making two today um, that I needed for an upcoming one-shot that I'm doing, and uh, I was just like, why? what's all of these options? Like, 
expand there's like all these expanded things so there there's some cool stuff coming out yeah if you can't see it what it says is you people are not known for your heroism in fact quite the opposite you kinder of the bad guys ambushing adventurers on the roads attacking unprotected villages and often finding themselves recruited into the army of greater villains but not you. For some reason, whether it be a run-in with a kind adventure that showed you mercy or the intervention of a deity or simply yearning to be more than the world sees you as, you've chosen to turn over a new leaf and set out become a hero. <laughs> I just, I love it. I don't know where it's from, though. That's a good one. So if anybody knows, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a reference to a British comedy duo. And it is. Are, it's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's um, a reference to uh, some with an M, right? Mit- uh, Mitchell and Webb. Mitchell and Webb. Yeah, Mitchell and Webb. David 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 Mitchell. Um, oh, it, I thought it, I thought it was a TV show he was in. It is a TV show. It was a sketch show that uh, Mitchell and Webb did together, like some time oh, ago. Oh, okay. And they I were thought... they were the Nazis, and uh, just like, wait, are we the baddies? We the baddies? <laughs> I can one second. So, sorry, I didn't mean to take us on that route, but I just I noticed that the other day, and I'm like, this might be the greatest background I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't like yep, it. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um. All right. Let me take a look. I know we have a few questions in the queue, but we had one. Uh, Vertrox Nightblood. Daisy, you're in my face. Um. Daisy is my other cat who likes to not show her face on stream. Uh. But she does like to climb up on my desk. Uh. Vertrox Nightblood used the ask my question next, so we're gonna bump his question up in the queue. And his question oh. is. What is the most creative way you or one of your players have subverted the expectations of the DM? Okay, so um, I was kind of, I didn't prep a session well enough, so I deviated from my original plan one day, and I took each of my players on a one-on-one with an important NPC, um, so my DM NPC, I had it as it was like their birthday, right? And so my players had to team up with another important NPC and go and find some kind of gift or contribute something to the party that was happening. So it kind of enabled them to have some character development. I had one of my players who his whole thing was like, he kind of had this like semi-tragic background. Um, He was kind of stoic. He was like, he had a mission that was a little bit different than everybody else, but he worked with them because it helped, you know, his own gains. Um, So he teamed up with an NPC that was also very quiet, but was also very like, had a very powerful position. Um, And they teamed up and somehow the two of them, these very stoic, um, not very smiley, um, tragic characters, baked a cake. (laughs) They went to the bakery to pick up the cake that was meant for the party, discovered that the cake Um, something had happened to it and the bakery was too busy to make a new one so the player in question was like let's go let's go make a cake and they did amazing (laughs) it was one of the best memories we have from our very first pokemon campaign very nasty subversion that i want to tell you from my blades game uh so 
this is a criminal organization in Blades, and they were trying to assassinate one of their rivals after they wounded him in a battle. He was in the hospital, and they needed to finish the deal. So some context for this is in our Blades world, there is an eldritch entity called the Shambler. Shambler is a deity that has an interesting domain over necromancy called Scalmancy. Scalmancy is a evolution of necromancy. It applies a bit of a scientific understanding of what is and isn't dead and uh, opens up the possibilities of necromancy for it. Uh, they can animate any dead biomatter, so they can animate the chairs that you're sitting in. They can animate the paint in a painting. They can animate sewage. Oh, They can do Yep, because it's dead biomatter, and therefore they can animate it through this form of necromancy. Well, the guy's at the hospital, and I'm just, you know, certain that they're going to try and break into his room to kill him, but they invoke the Scalmancer. They use attunement to call upon an eldritch entity to do some craziness, and they reanimate the dead microbiota in his recently cleaned wound. Oh, no. No. So that he gets a terrible, terrible infection. Oh, no. Undead microbiota. That's nasty. That is, I mean, amazing, but holy crap. (laughs) The Scoutmancer, they've done some crazy things with that. They... That's not the only assassination they've done with this one. This one I kind of saw because they laid it all out for me. But they went to a banquet and fed a uh, politician an enchanted steak, then reanimated in his stomach and pulled it out of him. Just oh, it right oh, out of him. oh, oh, yep. man. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's a that's rough. form of magic. Awesome. And they just did ridiculous things. They animated chairs. They animated sewage. But they're like the good the guys, right? Yeah. Are we the baddies? They are they are kind of the baddies. Well everyone's the baddies. It's criminals against criminals and blades in the dark. True. Mm-hmm. I just want to read this comment in chat of poo poo mancer sounds like a crappy option. Thank you. They are poo poo mancers. That is exactly what they are. I think they uh, got uh, my, my favorite one's probably pretty recent. Uh, I have like two or three, but I kind of already went into one with the whole deck of anything. That was a good one. Uh, but my other mm-hmm. favorite one is really recent. Uh, it's from session two of Saga. Uh, and it was I threw this very obviously impassable obstacle at my party. Uh, the, the entire point was like, this is a threat you can't handle right now. You're probably going to have to back off and maybe form some alliances and work with the town to kind of fend it off. So nah. I threw a literal army of gnolls at them at level one. Like, we're talking 60-plus gnolls coming at this small town and this group of, you know, level one adventurers. And um, the barbarian Ilva, played by my partner, a Bran, actually, like, I can tell they, they start to say something and then I can tell kind of maybe like the rest of the party had kind of maybe talked them out of it, but we had already discussed the character. So I spoke up and I'm like, you want to stay, don't you? And Bran goes, Ilva wants to stay and like stands there and draws their weapon and is like, I'm not letting people die. I'm going to stand here. And I'm, gonna fight. <laughs> I'm like, 
All right, cool. Guess we're fighting an old army, guys. Roll for initiative. <laughs> Here we go. And they, the, you know, I decided, like, running through it and doing the rolls. I was doing a couple of rolls, like, off to the side while they were playing to see how the townsfolk react. And sure enough, seeing seeing complete strangers just stand for them and, you know, probably die for them, the whole town rallied behind them and came up. And next thing you know, they're chasing off an army of gnolls at level one. Awesome. So that's Amazing. Totally did not plan for it at all. That's awesome. <laughs> I pulled one all over a DM once that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, we were sieging a uh, we were sieging a city. It was a big, big army against a big, big fortified city, and we, as the heroes, needed to do something to assist our offensive force in breaching the walls. Uh, the party we conspired to sneak into the city and uh, open the gates but i uh, i snuck off and did a little bit something else while they caught attention i scurried over somewhere teleported up onto the wall i was a wizard and from my vantage point i simply created an arcane gate and let our armies march right in Oh, wow. Because from, the, from up on the tower, I could see a position in the actual city and a position uh, in front of my army forces. And I just create the arcane gate and they walk right in. Wow. And that... Uh-oh. Oh. I lost the light. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I've got one left. I need to bring it a little bit closer. Oh, God. This is creepy. Oh, no. I had a moment where it was one of those DM moment, moments where you're like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you're angry, but you're happy at the same time because they have just outwardly yeah. outwitted you in a way that you didn't think it was going to happen. Of uh, So they were in this mine and there was a, a giant crack in the bottom of the mine that monsters were coming out of. And I thought, OK, they're going to make the connection. They have to go down. We're going to do an underdark thing. And they're just sitting there looking at it, and they go, Hey, you know that wizard we met a couple months ago? I'm like, yeah? I want to I wanna, I wanna send him a message. Okay. Hey, do you know moves or stone movement or anything to, like, move earth? I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I do, because I had built him, and yes, he did. He knew how to do that. And they're like, you want to come close a crack in the earth for us? <laughs> sure. Oh. So he comes. He's benevolent, right? Yep. Closes up the crack. Adventure's done. I took like 30 pages of notes that I had and I was just like. Rum away. Yep. And they're like, what? They're like, what? I'm like, you'll never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you did so that's so good! <laughs> <laughs> the sensation that is completely, I think, unique to DMs is that, like, rage pride where you're just like, yeah. there goes, like, 50 hours of work, yep. but it was awesome. <laughs> this, this whole arc planned, little do you know, the events are still happening. You didn't go down there, so the events are still happening. Yep. But dang it, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I one oh. time did a one shot in which I basically took um, like a side mission from a Zelda game um, and I kind of incorporated it into like our campaign. Um, 
and I had all the notes and everything, and I let them run it. It was literally just like a one-shot. Like, it didn't actually matter for the plot of the main campaign, but we just wanted something fun to do. And they went so off course, I ended up just, like, closing the book and, like, not even looking at the notes anymore. <laughs> I was so impressed with them, but also so annoyed that I didn't do I didn't get to use any of the work I put into it. I read them my notes after the session was over. So I'm like, here's the path I was hoping you were going to take. And here's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> just like how like this it went. And it was, that was one of the better moments. And that's when I learned, like, you can put in as much prep as you want, but you're only going to use about like 2% of what you've written down. Mm -hmm. So this is always the advice I give to anybody who's thinking about starting to DM. You don't plan the session. You plan what's happening in the world and let them react to it. Yep. You will never lose your notes that way. Nailed because, it. and whatever Prepared they do is what they prepared. do. Yeah, plan for the bad guy, plan for the events of the world, let them react to it. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, 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 a, um, uh, something I just remembered that subverted my expectations is, like, I had the players stuck in a time loop, right? We're in a time loop, and they keep on dying and, like, respawning, like, coming back to life at the start of the day, like, Groundhog Day-esque kind of vibes. Uh, and it's in the ocean, and they get, like, uh, like the first time they like a kraken comes out of a whirlpool and just wrecks the wrecks the day, and then like they're trying to figure out how to stop this whirlpool happening or whatever, and they go under 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 the ocean and they found like found like this temple and the outside of a temple is covered in in thousands of like gems, right? But every time a gem is taken from the temple, like a hundred, two hundred, like creatures or like whatever come out and just kill them like it's just an like an instant death kind of like reaction to them taking a gem Varug decided to take every single gem off of the temple and see if they wouldn't die when they took one of the gems so they died over a thousand times in a single session oh my god and I was like are you not getting the message yet <laughs> Taking one of these gems is gonna end badly. He was sat there for like half an hour. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> gosh, that's crazy! Like, stop! <laughs> Just give it a rest. <laughs> You're not getting. Why are you again. still doing this? <laughs> oh. Why are you still doing this? Glutton for punishment. <laughs> It's like maybe, maybe one of them won't kill us, and it's like no, they will. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Ooh. going any better. <laughs> I just thought of a great one where my players, once again, apparently always evil, really surprised me. There was a game uh, in which they were uh, exploring an island, an ancient island that had been abandoned millennia ago in the age of exploration about, you know, about the start of the 1700s. And they find something in there, uh, basically an artifact of the past, a man who was petrified. In his culture, there was this, uh, there was this meditation practice that they engaged in, in which, uh, in which someone breathes in something and they are petrified so that they can meditate within their state of petrification. But during his uh, spiritual voyage, there was a great calamity and his civilization fell apart 
around him, and he was stuck in that petrification process for a very, very long time. My players got him out of it, and he just, you know, had culture shock like crazy. But uh, later on in the campaign, when they had caught a criminal and uh, were thinking of how to punish this person for their crimes, and they had committed some very terrible crimes, they thought back to that uh, meditation drug, and they started petrifying their criminals. Oh my god. Because of the, the, you know, the guy they met, you know, who was supposed to be a very important asset, uh, you know, a spiritual voyage with him as he reconnected them with the past of this land. Uh, their second takeaway is, oh, hey, there's a drug that we can punish criminal, criminals with. <laughs> it, just, it just came back, and now in, in, in Tuzar, people serve their sentences petrified. Wow. That's that's that mm. broken carbonite life right there. Yeah, and I guess it saves the president's money on feeding them. Yeah, true. Mm. Economic sound. Right. All right. Well, we are going to pause for a break. We're a little bit late for break time, um, but that was a oh. that was a fun question. I liked hearing what everybody had oh, to my, yeah. had to share for that. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break so that everybody can get up, uh, stretch their legs. Hashtag free the pee. And uh, and <laughs> refill their drinks and all of that. So we will be back in just a few minutes, and uh, and we will see you then. All right, see you then. Microphones and Monsters is a Cthulhu D&D actual play with a balance of horror, mystery, and comedy. Our story begins in a 1920s Magitech noir setting. We follow the story of Alistair. That power is very much something that I need, and I don't want that to stop. Victor. I don't think I want to help you. And Julian. It's burning. What happened here can't see the light of day. As they come face to face with Eldritch Horrors. <laughs> I don't think you could ever stop me. And try not to fall into madness. Go to microphonesandmonsters.com or listen wherever podcasts are found. And we're back. I hope you guys all had a good break. We all had a chance to get up and stretch and do what we needed to do. And, uh... We were just having a lovely conversation about 3.5 in the green room. So, you know, there there it is. Um, all right. We are going to dive back in with some questions. Uh, this is a great one for right after break. And uh, uh, Chambers of Roleplay would like to know, what's your snack of choice at the table? Did I not tell you this, that this yeah, question right, comes on. up? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, I eat whatever my husband brings me. That's fair. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly chocolate. Yeah. Well, I, what my party tends to do is we'll take like a break for like yeah. an hour and order pizza or like kebabs or whatnot when we were playing in person. Yeah. I'm not buying I... for. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I make a pretty mean chili dip. Good. Yeah, my group's a little different because we only play for two to three hours at a time because parents and work and you know all that other stuff so we actually don't have snacks at the table we actually make dinner together before we play um if we're playing together so someone will have the main dish some of them will bring a side someone will bring dessert and we'll actually have like a meal before we play because yeah. we're usually at the parents house so it's like they're putting their kid to bed and we're all eating while they're you know they're kind of <laughs> trading off so we don't generally snack during that because we eat before. That's that's yeah. one approach too. Is I I maximum like four hour session, so I don't really 
it's not really long enough that's like, all right, we have to break this up. So we usually just have meals beforehand. I love to cook, so I'll often cook or mm-hmm. like meet up at one of the local restaurants beforehand. That, that's usually where we go. The only the only thing we have consistently at the table. That's <laughs> yeah. Like, there's always alcohol at the table. Always. Yeah, similarly, uh, D&D was always at my house because I'm the parent. And um, I have another friend, uh, well, a couple that also plays in my local D&D group. And uh, they have a daughter that's the same age as my kiddo. And so our kids would just, like, hang out and, um, you know, do their thing. And, you know, we would somebody would be in charge of bringing over dinner for the night, whether that means they're ordering out pizza and then we would rotate every, every time we would play. So one week it would be me the next week. It would be, you know, the husband and wife, the next week it would be the DM, you know, whoever. And then, um, usually, you know, we would have like some snacks at the table, usually like a bag of chips and Twizzlers and, but yeah, always a drink, sometimes alcoholic, sometimes not, but generally carbonated if not so yeah we have like we'd always have like crisps and like chocolate and you know just the usual stuff yeah yeah i think sometimes we'll have something sweet at the table like every once in a while i i have a mean sweet tooth i tend to have like big bags of like skittles or hot sauce or something like that. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while that'll get at the table. But again, usually it's like a before and after type of situation. Um did everybody get to answer that who had who wanted to? I think so. I believe so. All right. Uh Dungeon Matter has a question and this is one I, I always really like it. Um Matt would like to know what other character's moment, not yours, in a game made you cry or super emotional in real life? <laughs> okay. Mm. That links to, to the story I was actually telling you about I was going to tell. Um, so essentially what it was, we were like uh, trying to save one of the character's brothers who'd been taken by a bad guy who we knew was like... We didn't know for certain, but we we assumed well, like it was a green dragon, like uh, kind of in disguise as like a pirate king, because um, it was like multiple kings of the sea, um, and so we we've gone to this place and it's basically of this boat that's built into the side of a cliff, um, and my character Sebastian is very kind of action first kind of like reckless and crazy so what i do is like while this guy's in human form i grab them jump off the side of this boat like 80 feet up slam into the ground obviously take a crap ton of damage but break the first form and like i'm nearly dead and like i'm on one hit point like backed up against the cliff face this like green dragon in front of me it's been like a long fight and the tabaxi goes to the goes uh to the dm can i dimension door 500 feet in the air above this dragon and the dm's like yeah <laughs> um and the the character player character goes uh i'm gonna put my sword straight down and just land on this dragon's back 
and kill it. And uh, she she does, <laughs> but she gets like absolutely obliterated at the same time because of the amount of fall damage. And Sebastian's just stood there, like one hit point, like at like hammer at the side, and just falls to his knees because previously in the campaign there was a prophecy that Sebastian would die under a book of towers. Mm. And it was like a, an a, an old library, and it was like really like a, a tower essentially. And this other character took the death to save Sebastian. And Sebastian's like very kind of loyal, and like it breaks him when like one of his, like his old girlfriend had died because he couldn't save her. So now that somebody else who he cares about has died because he couldn't save them. And they've died saving him instead. It just kind of broke Sebastian in character. And I was just there crying in real life. Like, no. Like, oh, God. <laughs> it was uh, it was a really good... <laughs> like, it was a very emotional moment. Yeah. To the character. And <laughs> but it was crazy. It was, it was such a good session. I guess I haven't really had that emotional cry moment in D&D yet. I'm waiting for it. It's coming, I know. But I haven't had it yet. Um, but I have had an emotional response to uh, something somebody had, which was in an opposite direction of being happy, excited, and vengeful with them. Um, but the first one-shot I ran on a stream was with Shannon from Paradise RPG. And she played a vampire, and she had this background about how... This noble family had paid a vampire to change her so that her fiance and kill her husband because her husband didn't pick that nobleman's daughter instead. So she's at this party and she found these noble people. They didn't recognize her. And sometime throughout the night, she actually changed their daughter into a vampire as well. And it was something that, like, I didn't even know she was going to do it. It was... It, I wasn't planning for it at all, and it was just this emotional response of, oh my god, what just happened? Oh my god. <laughs> so, I guess that's as close as I've had to, like, an emotional response to someone else's actions in a game, and it was just that excitement, astoundment, and just that, yes, revenge feeling yeah. <laughs> for somebody else. Yeah. I think uh, I have something. Uh, I'm in a similar vein in which I don't really have a cry moment, especially one that wasn't centered around one of my actions as a character or DM. But I created a very sympathetic uh, NPC with some friends uh, utilizing, and I promise that I didn't intend for this to be a plug, the DMPC is dead. We were creating our character backgrounds for a one-shot with Andrew Lysium uh, at Andrew Lysium. He does some really cool uh, one-shots in uh, Tailspire. And we were trying to create uh, some context in between us so that we are a united party going into the one-shot. And we created the context of the martyr god around the DMPC, Fiona. So going through the game, we kind of discovered that we were traveling with this individual who was on a martyrship uh, journey. They had to spill their blood at a certain ritual site in order to uh, basically keep a certain necromantic curse that's on the land at bay. 
They need to go there. They need to cut their hand, pour it out, and it heals it for about a hundred years. Uh, but things got ugly. Things got ugly. Although we were strong warriors, the uh, necromantic curse was really coming to a front in our game of the NPC is dead, and we were in dire straits. The one who cast the curse showed up. Uh, and it was a vampire necromancer, and they had us pinned. And the penultimate reality of the story in the DMPC is Dead that we played was Fiona died by tricking the necromantic vampire to drink her sacrificial blood. She called a bluff, uh, got the vampire to bite her, and her royal blood that is utilized for the uh, ritual he drank it up and it had the same arcane power and he died drinking it however this was much more than just cutting her hand and she died from the vampire wound and was lost to us and it's just we created this story of this princess who went off to do this uh, service for her country that she just thought was a little bit of a, uh, you know, little slash of the hand. But as pressure emerged and it looked like she wouldn't actually make it to the Rick Girl site, she realized that there was only one play that could, uh, that could save us. And in fact, by doing this, she didn't just abstain the necromantic curse, she cured it because she killed the vampire. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is a story that we just threw together to unite our party members. And it, it was really something beautiful. It's just, we had this idea, let's unite us, uh, ourselves around a little martyrship journey. But as the roles kind of came out and as we move towards the ultimate reality of the game, this person dies. We found a very beautiful sacrificial moment in which her wit, her candor and her fearlessness in the face of adversity, not only saved us, but saved the world. That's good show. I felt very moved by it. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've had anything from another character. Oh, well. There was something that, that happened that was directly related to one of my characters, but it it happened to her, but it didn't at the same time, and I'll explain. So one of my characters uh, at, the, at the time was in a relationship with an NPC, um, and there was a huge... Uh, you know, fight that basically the town got ambushed and, you know, she was trying to do her part to save the town. The NPC was trying to evacuate the, the villagers and the town that they were in. And um, he happened to be a ship captain and he was trying to evacuate them by getting him onto his boat. And so he uh, he gets a bunch of them onto the boat 
and and like her, the party had helped like coordinate this like this is how we'll do it this is how we'll get everybody to your boat blah 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 because we knew that something was going to happen um and then his ship blew up <laughs> with him and a bunch of villagers on it and oh. yeah and so it was like it was devastating for me as the player of the character who just watched the ship of the love of their life get blown up but also it was just really devastating because the character um so the way that the character came about was this was a streamed game like two years ago and in tandem with the um people who have watched the stream before have heard me talk about this but in tandem with that stream we also had an rp channel in our discord where our community could rp with the cast and so this character was born from a community members character that they had made in that rp channel and then the dm with permission from the player took that and built him into the story that we were playing and so basically at that point the player the person that had created him kind of lost control of the character and so like my heart broke for the player of that person like now watching their character get blown up oh, no. and then my heart broke like as a character for the other it was just like all kinds of layers of sad so yeah it was intense. it was really intense it, it was great it made for an awesome plot point uh spoiler alert he wasn't dead but he did get possessed um so it made for a really interesting plot point for the party to move them from one place to another and manage to get uh a, a major bad bbeg into the town that needed to get there because then we set out to find him and we managed to bring him back to the town and we're like oh yeah you're safe and i was like but yeah, you're acting really off you know and then boom and we're like oh well that would explain why <laughs> so yeah yeah it was really interesting but uh it was very cleverly done but it was also like super heartbreaking <laughs> yeah oh no yeah that's pungent matter put that's so juicy sad yeah <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so nice yeah i had a i had a story arc that unfortunately never the end of it didn't come to fruition um but we did get through most of the story for um so i hadn't planned for this necessarily but um i there was an end there was a recurring npc um that one of my players like his character ended up falling in love with so they had this kind of like touch and go romance for a while um and we were trying to figure out like how we wanted to play it like did he you know did they want to make it obvious did they want to like you know make it into an actual romance or just kind of like insinuate it and then have that be like a big plot point later um and um so eventually um the first campaign um we kind of like, like our season one ended kind of abruptly. Um, but this, this NPC, um, essentially you discover that, um, she came from kind of, um, a not so great situation. Um, now mind you, again, this is still a Pokemon campaign, but there was a lot of like kind of real world ties. Like there was a lot of, um, a lot of the plot had to do with not so much like a team rocket, like bad guy. Um, but like poaching. Uh, was kind of our main villain in this campaign and it turns out that this 
um, NPC was involved with the poachers, um, but didn't realize it. Um, she was like, she was romantically involved with the leader of the poachers, but didn't know that's what they were doing at the mm. time. And then when they found out what was happening, they fled, and then the NPC met my players, and then that's kind of when things started. Um, so you discover there's this battle at the very end, uh, this Pokemon battle with, you know, the leader of the poachers, and he ends up, um, there ends up being like an area of effect thing that happens during the battle, and it causes a, a, like a bit of a landslide, and the leader of the poachers does not survive the landslide. And a couple other characters go missing during the landslide, um, including this NPC that my players fall in love with. Um, so then season two starts, and this is where, like, part of it didn't, like, the end of it didn't get done. But essentially, um, they discover the NPC was alive. But through a whole bunch of, like, information, um, a couple of, like, visions kind of thing that have, like, flashbacks that happen in the campaign, you actually learn that this NPC was, um, was a Pokemon. For those of you who know Pokemon, it was Celebi, um, the, the grass, whatever Pokemon of, of time. Um, and I used a little bit of the element of, like, the, the Celebi movie, um, where, like, you know, Ash and everybody went back in time and they had to save Celebi and everything. And what happened was, is as Celebi, um, when the poaching started decades ago, um, this, this NPC, um, as an attempt to um, not be a victim of, of poaching, um, turned themselves into a human and tried to disguise themselves in the human world, but they stayed human too long because they fell in love with the idea of being a human. And it started to mess with Celebi's time power. So she would like jump through time and like, you know, one day she'd end up on one side of the continent and then 15 minutes later, she's on the other side of the continent and it didn't make sense. And so the end, the player who fell in love with this NPC had to make a choice and the choice was um, they could let the NPC go and become a Celebi again and, and you know, f fix her. Um, or they, uh, the NPC could stay as a human but would only be able to live for another year. But they would live together and be happy for a year before she died. And he had to be the one to make the decision of what was going to happen to them at the end. Uh so it was sad that we didn't get to go through the whole thing. Um, there was some personal issues in our campaign that prevented us from getting all the way there. But I discussed a lot of it with them once we realized we couldn't continue with the story. And when it got to that point, the player was like, I, I don't know what I would have chosen. Um, it was just, it was a, a very hard dilemma. And they were so attached to this character and everything she had done for them in the campaign before. And I, that's the one moment I wish that I could have played out, but everything up until then, um, you know, they had moments where, you know, this character became very, very important to them. And she wasn't even supposed to exist. That's the best part of the whole story. She was not supposed to exist. The best NPCs yeah. and the ones they latch onto are always improv. Uh, yep. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I was trying to look up a rule while at the same time not interrupting the flow of the game. So I was like, oh, and uh, an NP, like, so you, you see this guy and he's, he's a homeless guy and he's asking for help, whatever. I don't remember exactly. And it was just like a random throwaway guy and I called him Hobo James. <laughs> And then my party would just always like, 
oh, I wonder how Hobo James is doing. How Hobo, how's Hobo James? And then I used Hobo James in a different campaign, but he'd become like uh, a, a demon for some reason, like of some kind. And uh, he he was like a, an extremely powerful like uh, like devil who would like just a pop up randomly for players, and he'd go. Uh, it, like, answer my riddles, and I'll give you something. Answering correctly, you lose something. <laughs> Essentially. It's a crossroads demon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, pretty my. Much. And, uh, Taking notes, hold it, on. I, I, I used him <laughs> in a different campaign. It, basically, the riddles would, like, it would be a riddle, and if you got it right, you could ask for anything. Like, one, one thing you could ask for, and it, whether it be information, an item, like, He'd basically grant a wish. Yeah, like a mini know? wish spell. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, but if you got for it all wrong, I had like a table, and you'd like lose an eye, you'd Ooh. lose a magic item, oh, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd like he'd have your soul kind of thing. That's so. So good. it was so. That's so uh, cool. That cool. But, but my monk got two riddles wrong, and I had two different tables. And she lost both of her eyes. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! Um, but like later, like after that campaign, I was talking about it, and someone went, uh, "Oh, whatever happened to Hobo James?" I'm like, "Oh, he's a demon now." <laughs> oh, yeah, he always was. <laughs> he always was. I have an amazing crossroad demon in my extended universe. Known as the man beside the fire. He is uh, similarly a dealer like that. But he's very, very fair. Very, very willing to take very innocuous things. He doesn't really try and bilk anyone. He does not make uh, contracts that have secret overlooked details. He does not try to gouge them for worth. He does something so surface level and so terrible that actually speaks to his true domain. He always asks for something of sentiment in order for something powerful because his domain within the world is to destroy sentimentality. And uh, he considers one of the easiest ways to do that is find heroes who have such important things to accomplish and remind them that if they don't accomplish those important things, so many people will suffer. So can you really just let yourself hold on to this innocuous thing from your past and I can give you power? And whenever they make the deal, there's a very, very mocking thing. He extends his hand to receive it and lets it slip through his fingers mm. and it falls into the fire. And he says, oops, butterfingers, let me give you your reward. Nice. Wow. 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 Mm -hmm. I am what taking notes in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> we oh, have, yeah. I was going to say, people do that all the time, Star. You are not alone. <laughs> no, I, know. I have notes from the past, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a thing I was going to do. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the concept of, like, deal-making and, and, like, riddles for rewards. All, like, you know, I, I just love that whole 
kind of thing, you know? Just like, uh... I don't know, there's something about it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, sir. I was, I was like, they're just great for players who think they're invincible. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are, yeah. I have a couple players that feel like they can do, like, nothing's ever going to beat them, and I'm considering bringing in a dealmaker oh. demon just to, just <laughs> to kind of knock them down a, just yep. a slight bit. Teeny bit. Teeny bit. Just teeny bit. Ah. Uh. Oh, but yeah, James just kind of pops up at random intervals and is like, yo, you want to do a thing? <laughs> and like, the, the players um, are oftentimes like, hmm, free wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. First a game that we got a deck of many things, not one of us didn't. Pull from that, <laughs> so that's the group I'm working with. <laughs> Love a deck of many things. Yeah, deck of many things just adds so much interesting stuff. It like, really does, and and you can alter it to make it so it's not so game destroying uh, while still being powerful. I just uh, was for fun and fat, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just let it go. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I mean, I think the only one that we had we changed in the deck of many things when we used it was uh, I think it's the void card, the one that sucks. Oh, your that's the best card. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, though. It was <laughs> the best card. It was one of those of they were new players, so of course we gave them a deck of many things. Why wouldn't we? Um, <laughs> but we didn't want to like make them soulless and take their character out. So what it was instead, yeah, and it was it was one of those like decision-making things of when they pulled it because of course they did first card they pull uh instead we decided that they lost their soul but instead of that causing them to be like inactive their charisma dropped to three Ooh. Um, okay. so, still That's detrimental good. but they can still play yeah, but it also gives that play a character then an arc to go and find their soul yeah. yeah, and Link that's what really cool and that's what the too. final one was. Is they finally went to go get his soul, but no, he was a druid, so he was fine. <laughs> I have right. to keep not getting to use of uh, like a, a player goes down, right? They, they're rolling the death saves, and finally they fail that third death save, and it's like, bef before you start rolling a new character, your eyes open, you get back up, yeah, and you're in a you're in a lavishly furnished office with a roaring fireplace. And a devil sitting behind a desk with a piece of paper with your name on it. He says, how would you like to live again, friend? And just <laughs> give them that chance. It's like, hey, you know, if you want to get back in a fight right now, be right back in the action. You can. You just, what are you willing to trade for it? You know? It's kind of cool. Kind of I little. Do love that. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I have to sign your name here. <laughs> I have two clerics in my party and everyone, so this is how my group does it, is they decided they would each buy their own diamond and keep it on their person as a pendant so that if the cleric had to do it, they paid for it and cool. they had a diamond ready to go and if they That's didn't, really it was their own fault. <laughs> the resurrection. Yeah, but so actually what I have is I actually have a in my world, when you die, you actually meet the Raven Queen and she's oh. the one that directs you where you go. <laughs> So yeah, she's the 
Yeah, she's the transition over. So I have actually created the scenario of what happens when each of them dies and meets her. So it's very yeah. individualized for them. That's and a good one. So, um, so some of them can try and make deals. One of them is pretending to be a paladin of the Raven Queen while he actually serves an evil god. Uh -oh. He got to meet her recently. It was fun. <laughs> well, she wasn't thrilled with him, was she? <laughs> she wasn't angry, actually. Um, uh. Just because of the events that are going on in the world, she's like, you are creating the balance. Just don't pull my name through the mud, and I won't put you where you belong. That's right. <laughs> Really interesting. You know, I have played a Raven Queen's Warlock before, and I actually had a different interpretation of her. Uh, she's more the god of final destination in my canon. Hmm. She sets up situations so that people die at a certain time in a certain way, and that's fate. It's for, uh, you know, a fate. We are ordained to die at a certain moment that she governs. It was a really interesting campaign. I actually talked about it in a podcast with Double DM. It released today, so you guys should check that out. And you can get all the details of that wonderful story. Yeah, for I me, think... I've always had her as the like the transitional god. She was the one that pulled your soul over, and you met her before. So, like, essentially, she was like the Anubis of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You came Same. over, she helped you over, and you know, death comes for all. So, she was just the transition point, not the judgment. You stayed with her until whoever was in charge of the plane you're going to showed up and went, "That one's mine. I'll take that." <laughs> That's a good. I love interview. the Raven. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I have I quite a preponderance of death gods uh, that govern death in different ways. There are very many different ways to look at death, and I think it's useful to have a preponderance of death gods that just look at it in a different way, uh, absolve the concept of death in a different uh, method. Because there's so many ways of looking at death. Mm. Why not have a god for every one of them? Yeah, I, I love the Raven Queen. I, I think she's a very interesting like concept. Like, um, for me in my canon, she kind of she is very much fate based in a sense. It's like she can like look at fate and like kind of she doesn't play with it. She just kind of tracks it and sees where certain events can happen that makes it split off in different ways and sometimes mm -hmm. she'll see like a certain event coming and be like she can decide whether she feels that a certain individual is like i i feel like this is too early for you and she can like give that person a second chance like you know can Ooh. can give them like kind of it's it's more like she's kind of not like guiding fate but making sure it goes how it should do you know it's more mm -hmm. just kind of like uh like an, an admin assistant of fate <laughs> and i'm sorry i wasn't laughing at you i was laughing at Dun dungeon matter put in i bet my raven queen could beat up yeah. your raven queen <laughs> Oh, my camera fell. Might have something to say about that. 
It's just like a one shot where it's just everybody's individual Raven Queen just has a battle royale. <laughs> God battles, Wait, I love it. I'm gonna say Millennium Layford was kind of sort of broken. Uh, this is the you know unearthed Arcana for the Raven Queen's Warlock. That thing was kind of nasty, and uh, at some point. He did that thing where a warlock takes a couple sorcerer levels so that they uh, so that they can turn their warlock unlimited spell slots. Yep, the sleepless Uh, warlock. This guy was this guy was nasty, and it was that kind of game where you just had to be that nasty uh, because it was the Tomb of Annihilation. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, (laughs) that's that's acceptable then. You know. I, I feel like I'd play I'd play that car- like that build in like a one shot maybe. Yeah, like, he just, just he one thing I need to say, I never actually played that build. It's his uh epilogue build. Because the last level is uh the last level he got in it is what locked him into that build and uh, basically represented him as a madman who went and killed every lich in the world. Because the Raven Queen does not like the undead. No, nope. she does not. Nope. No, no, no. Universal, yeah. Without quarter. Universal. <laughs> have different interpretations, but that right there, always the same. It's the constant, yeah. <laughs> you belong in the ground. We're going to put you there. Which it's is funny. strange for a human who became a god and cheated death. A little bit, yeah. But yeah. A little ironic. Like, do as I say, yeah. not as I do. She's holding it for herself. Which is actually why the player in my group was a follower of the Raven Queen and left her because he feels she is uh, just going against her own rules. So he refuses to follow her. Like, that was his thing. I mean, technically, she's not undead, fam. Yeah, but she's undying, and that's still kind of against her thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it does kind of defy the whole natural things. Yeah, she was supposed to die and did not. Yeah. You were, uh... oh, actually, I actually followed in her hypocritical footsteps was my uh, epilogue story. I became undying as well because I was devoted to the destruction of liches and taking down a Sararak once and for all. That's going to take a few centuries, you know. You don't just do that in lickety split. You need time. And so you got to be a hypocrite. A little bit. A little bit, yep. Well, as much as I hate to have to cut in, no. we are at no. time. <laughs> one more hour. Uh, one more one hour. hour. <laughs> well, what I will say is, uh, and this is also for anybody who is watching and either interested in participating or would like to join our Patreon for it, is that down the road... Um, Tales from the Tavern has a Patreon now, and one of the things that I'm going to be looking at doing in the future is essentially a Tales from the Tavern third hour um, as a podcast release that is exclusive to Patreon subscribers first for a week, and then it will get released to the general public. So that is my uh, that is my end goal. So that's what I'm hoping uh, we will be able to do in the future. So I would be happy to have you all back to do this again for a third hour. um, If we are I'm always game. I know um, if we are able to to get that to happen. So um, I just have to 
learn a little bit more about podcast editing to do that. So, <laughs> so, but hopefully I will be getting it uh, underway before the end of the year. That is my goal. So, um, yes. Goal. So if you are watching and you are interested in a, uh, <laughs> a financial uh, way that you can help contribute to Tales from the Tavern, um, we do it. Like I said, we do have a Patreon. Um, we're at 32 subscribers after tonight. So nice. that's super Hell exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was at like 16 when the night started so hooray oh, yeah. <laughs> um oh. three more and i get to unlock another emote slot yay um but what oh. i would like to have everybody do is i'm gonna go around uh we'll do it in the reverse order from the way that we started and just tell us again who you are and where we can find you on social media and anything that you may have that you would like to share promote let everybody know is coming all of that good stuff so star we're gonna start with you this time I am Star Shinobi on uh, Twitter and Instagram and DMs Guild. Um, right now, I just have a couple things out. Uh, like I talked about the one I did with Luna and plot hooks at the big a little while ago of villagers. So if you are looking for villains that you can place and play in sight as a DM that already have backgrounds and stat blocks and plot hooks and all that, you can get that at DMs Guild. Or if you just feel like playing a one shot as hamsters, we also have one called Disaster Hamsters, which oh God, I think so we did fun. a great job on. <laughs> um, that can be played as a one-shot or a up-to-three-episode epic, uh, if you would so want to do that. Or if you just like useful to pseudo-useful magic items that have not been play-tested, uh, I also put oh. those on my Instagram uh, if you want to try fiddling around with some interesting stuff. Super fun. I love it. Well, thanks for coming back on, and uh, it's been it's been so great to have you. You always have such cool stuff to talk about. So, thank you, uh, Alex. We'll go over to you next. I'm uh, I'm the GM of Bards and Brutes. You can find us over on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter under that handle. Um, we are a actual play that focuses on variety. We are currently, or sh I should say, will soon be running five systems simultaneously probably going to up that number to six or seven shortly after as well. Um, come check us out if you're into RP-heavy uh, variety of streams. Currently, we are running a 5e homebrew called Saga, which is a low magic world that is heavily based on Norse mythology and proven to be pretty interesting. Love to see you there. That's very cool. Uh, I will definitely point a friend in in that direction he lo he loves is all into Norse Norse mythology so um well thank you for coming on it was great to to get to chat with you a little bit get to know you a little better it's always nice to put a face behind the twitter handle and yeah. um and this was great uh, i'd love to have you back sometime and uh we'll go to kimmy next hi guys um so again um i am ginger owl girl um on twitch and on twitter primarily um I, I guess I have like two things that are kind of cool. Um, I have an Etsy shop um, that I've been working on. I do a lot of like small macrame projects, including um, dice charms that will be featured in Greenleaf Geeks premium adventure calendars. Um, but I will also be making some that will go on my Etsy shop um, in time for the holiday season, um, if anybody wants to check that out. And then also uh, just one more plug, a week from today um, is, no, well, no, I'm sorry. 10 days from now, <laughs> um, I'm going to be um, doing a charity um, one shot with a whole bunch of people. Um, it's been mentioned briefly on my Twitter. Um, 
but we'll be doing it um, as a way to celebrate my birthday, which is a week from today. So if anybody Happy wants to come, birthday. thank you. Yeah. On Wednesday, the um, 29th, there will be details on my Twitter. Um, we're going to be um, doing a charity one shot um, to support March of Dimes, which is a charity very close to me. Um, and if anybody wants to come by and hang out and you can see all the people that I'm going to be with for that. Um, but that's kind of all I have going on right now. Awesome. Well, yes. Happy early birthday. And uh, we will definitely have to check that out. That's very exciting. And I hope it goes really well and is super successful for you. Um, all right. And uh, Cece, we'll go to you next. Fantastic. I am so enjoying these last final moments of this blackout. Well, <laughs> if, you have, if you have enjoyed any of my uh, radical character madness, I dare to ask you check out ccrpg.studio. It's a domain that links to my Twitter and you can see my character madness in display there or check out the dmpcisdead.com, which links to my itch.io, where you can download the DMPC is Dead for free. You can also hear me banter for God knows how long on Double DM's latest podcast. I explore a lot of the character concepts that go into my design thesis, and all of these uh, these campaigns that I have mentioned. But what I'd really like to plug is something for the spooky system. You've heard mention of that poo-poo-mancer, and you can learn more about them in the Critique on Necromancy. It's a 5e supplement that explores scowmancy and the profane ways that they look at what reanimating dead biomatter can really do. Dun dun dun. Um that's awesome. And uh I hope your I hope your power comes back soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh we were talking before the stream, we were chatting in our group chat about how it's amazing how reliant we are on electricity. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you just never realize how much you miss it until it's gone again and you're like, Oh man. I'm just juggling every single asset. Uh, I have to be here. <laughs> I know. And, and we super appreciate it. It's been so great getting to have you on. Um, I'm, I'm so glad it, it worked out at least as much as we could. So um, we will go over to Adam next. Uh, Adam, tell us a little bit about you again. Uh, yeah. At Adam smile night six on socials uh, and Twitch. Uh, I do a streaming thing. Uh, Quite consistently, and when I'm live, I'm I'm live for a long time. Uh, so like, you'll probably like if I'm not at work, you'll probably catch me streaming for like ten to twelve hours a day. <laughs> it's a problem. Um, I play like no, as I said, no pixel, no pixel, which is a Grand Theft Auto roleplay server. Um, I play Dead by Daylight, uh, other various games, and a little bit of variety here and there. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. Uh, not really got anything crazy planned coming up, but uh, keep an eye on socials, and if anything comes up, you'll see it. Awesome. Well, thank you for staying up unbelievably late to hang out with us, and uh, I really appreciate awesome. it. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, I am Gamer Mom Luna. This is Luna's Living Room, and um, this is about all I have right now for content. Like I said, we have some stuff coming up for Patreon, and then eventually uh, we'll get released into podcast, but that is still a little down the road. Um, I also am teaming up with one of my channel moderators uh, who is going to be uh, producing another podcast sort of in conjunction with my Twitch channel. So that's really exciting. That's going to be using the Aether and Steamworks system. If you're not familiar with that, it's very fun to think uh, steampunk meets magic meets space. Um, and there's a lot of chaos involved. There's an actual chaos table. Um, the last time I played this game, the chaos table caused a giant pencil tree to grow and shoot out pencils that were strong enough to puncture holes in the side of a space station. So there you Whoa. go. Um, Ooh, it was. It I was, live for that kind of chaos. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> it was really pretty darn fantastic. Uh, we're going to actually go raid. The official Paizo channel is live right now. So we're going to go over there and say hello. They, um, I believe, are, are still doing some Gen Con stuff. Um, they were doing some Gen Con gaming this morning. And they, are, they have a Pathfinder gain uh going on right now so we are gonna go over oh, yeah. there and say hello thank you all so much for hanging out tonight and uh we will see you again next sunday night for more tales from the tavern all righty bye-bye later day Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales from the Tavern. You can catch this podcast recorded live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv forward slash GamerMomLuna. All of our questions come directly from chat, so we never really know what to expect when we go live. If you ever have a question or would like to add something to the conversation, feel free to reach out on Twitter at GamerMomLuna and use the hashtag TFTT. You may just get to hear it answered. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you.